Looking forward to summer. It's, it's on its way. Hey, good morning, Triumph West. Good to be here with you. And uh, if you're not familiar with Inspiration Point, it's a camp and retreat center that's located about 90 minutes southeast of here. We run uh, year-round, and in the summertime, we have camps for kids entering first grade all the way up through, uh, through high school. It's been in existence for 59 years, and uh, we're glad for our partnership that we have with, with Triumph. If you're not familiar with Inspiration Point, um, I encourage you to stop by the booth out in the, in the foyer afterwards. We'd love to visit with you. If, if you have kids that haven't gone to camp before, maybe you wonder, like, oh, is it okay to let, send my kids away to camp? Is it, are they going to be okay? We'd love to talk with you. We think Inspiration Point's a unique place, and we're very, very careful uh, in how we hire and how we run camp and so forth, so that when kids come there, um, they, can, they can have a blast and they can hear about Jesus. That's what the place is all about, really. And so, delighted to be here with you this, this morning. Uh, in uh, November, in early November, we had to make a, a gut-wrenching decision. The video that you just saw of our Spitzer Lake site, we had to make the decision that we had to close that for this next summer. The, the water in Spitzer Lake has risen and continued to rise, and we think on the trajectory that it's on right now, even if it stayed the same as it was this last fall, we wouldn't be able to hold camp uh, there. And it's been really, really difficult. And at the same time, the same time, we're thanking God for his provision of a second site. Now, the second place called Inspiration Point at Twin Oaks is only 12 miles away from Spitzer Lake. But when we acquired that and when we started building it for camp, we expected that to be an auxiliary site, like the second place, a camp for 100 kids. What's happening, though, is that we're moving everything from our Spitzer Lake site over to Twin Oaks for next summer. That means 100, 100 kid capacity won't cut it. So we're scrambling to get the capacity up so that every student, every child that wants to go to camp will be able to do that at our Twin Oaks site uh, next summer. And so God has been providing in some amazing ways. We're trying to go from 100 to 180 kids and, and, uh, in just a few months. Now, one thing I'm excited to tell you about, the Be a Blessing offerings that you took, that project, you need to know the backstory of that is we've been trying to gain capacity so that we wouldn't have to uh, say no to kids who want to go to camp. You're, you're, you're offering, uh, the word of that offering came to our, to our office and we were blown away. We didn't know it was coming, much less to know it was going to be that amount. Do you want to know how we're going to use it? We already had plans for it. We just didn't know how it could ever happen. Here's what we're going to do. Your gift is going to pay for, in total for a brand new maintenance building out at Twin Oaks so that we can take our temporary maintenance area, move everything into this new building, and we're gonna turn our former maintenance area into five sleeping rooms that have bathrooms right in that area, and that's gonna provide for 20 to 25 more kids each week of the summer. Your $56,000 is going to make it possible for 200 to 250 more kids to go to camp and hear about Jesus this summer. Isn't that incredible? We were waiting. We were wondering, how could this ever happen? We didn't know what was going on here. 
you were, you were giving and helping support a camp and you didn't know what was going on our, on, on our end, what we were even hoping for, but God did. He knew all along. And this morning, what I want to spend some time looking at with you is this generous God that we serve, the God who gives, the God who, who knows, and I hope that through it all, our eyes are lifted to him. That's one of the things that happens when people give. Our eyes are, are raised to see what he's done, and we, we praise him for that. So as I was thinking about this, a few months ago, as we were approaching Christmas, Janet and I were reminiscing about when we were kids. We were growing up, and around mid-November, maybe Thanksgiving time, we got very, very excited because it was coming. It was coming. We would go home from school. We would check the mailbox right away to see if it had arrived at our house. You know what it was? The Christmas catalog. The Christmas catalog. Do you remember that? Some of you are going, what's a catalog? Uh, I don't know. A catalog, before the internet, it's like a giant magazine that companies like Sears or JCPenney would send out to households so that they could sell more. We would look at these things and we would think like, this is what we could buy. This is what we hope for for Christmas, okay? Janet was laughing because what the custom in her home with her brother was to sit with her younger brother and when the Christmas catalog came, they would go to the toy section and they would turn the page and when they turned the page, they tried to be the first person to say, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it to the things that they liked the most on the page. They'd turn the next page, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it. That's what they did. Uh, I didn't do that. I didn't have a, a brother or sister close to my age to compete with, so I just rabbit-eared the pages and circled what I hoped to get for Christmas. Okay? Some of you remember doing the very same thing. You know, the Christmas catalog had a, had a, a duty after Christmas as well. As well. It didn't, we didn't just throw those things away. They became booster chairs, right? <laughs> Some of you had to sit on a booster chair or when you had company, you didn't have enough and you'd sit and they were terrible. I mean, it was very difficult to sit on. But that's what we did. And um, I, I think, wow, that's a really interesting marker, kind of a mirror into our world today, that, that, that pattern that Janet experienced when she was a kid. I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. That's kind of the way we are. In this society, in these days, we tend to be a lot like people who say, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, right? And we have a bend toward looking out to, for ourselves. It's just, it's in our nature. And we, we think, mine, and I'm going to grab all you can. And it's fascinating to me that when Jesus walked this earth, he would take patterns and attitudes of the world and he would flip them upside down. He would flip them upside down. And he had a phrase that he used often. You've heard it said, but I tell you this. He could have said something like this. You've heard it said, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. But I tell you this, life is about giving your, uh, yourself away. Okay? He would take things and, and he, would, he would turn them upside down and he might say something like, in, in, my, in my world, in my kingdom, the first shall be what? Last. And the last will be first. And if you want to be the greatest, you must first be, you must be the least, and the least shall become uh, the greatest, right? If you want to gain life, you must lose it. The one who loses life will gain it. He would turn that upside down, our inward eyes, he would call us to, to, to flip that 
and to see others first and to recognize that, that he was here pointing us to the God who gives himself. That's why we give, because God is a generous God and it's in his nature. It's what he does. He gives. And throughout scripture, we see examples of this. You know the, the verse from John 3. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. And later on in the New Testament, we read, for every good and perfect gift is from above. Right? And Jesus taught us about if our earthly fathers are going to be our fathers who will care for their children, how much more will your heavenly father care and give good gifts to those, to those who love him? And he, was, he would point us to our father in heaven. So the question comes then, okay, if that's the case, then honestly, so what? Now what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Paul had something to say about that. And he wrote in one of his letters, the second letter to the Corinthians, he talked about this, about generosity and giving. I'm gonna read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. And when I'm reading, you can follow along in your worship folder and your Bibles, but I want you to be thinking about this. When people give, what happens? Okay, Paul's gonna answer that for us. Here we go. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you hear the the word popping up? You will abound in all or every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service you perform, it's not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's pray. Lord, will you take these words, your words this morning, will you apply them to our hearts and to our minds as you make us more and more like your son Jesus. And we thank you. Amen. So when people give, what happens? Here's the first one. This one's obvious. I think you would have picked up on it right away. When people give, here's the first thing. The person who receives is blessed. Right? That's an easy one. Has anyone, can you think of a time when someone has given something to you or done something for you? How did you feel? Blessed, right? That's an obvious one. That happens when people give, the ones who receive are blessed. When you gave that incredibly generous offering to Inspiration Point, guess what? We're blessed. The kids who are going to be able to go to camp are blessed. Makes, makes perfect sense. But that's, it's not only the receiver. It's not only the receiver. The second person who's blessed is the one who gives. 
The, the, the giver is blessed in God's economy. That, that's just how it works. When I was really young, before Christmas, my mom or my dad would take me shopping to buy Christmas gifts for our family. And they would kind of guide me to an area of the store and kind of give me some parameters. And then I would pick out, oh, I'm gonna, we'll get this for my sister and this for my brother and this for my mom or my dad. And we'd go and I'd, I'd put it up on the conveyor belt or what, on the counter at the store and my mom or my dad would pay. And we'd wrap up the gifts, they'd go under the tree and, and my sister would open up a gift and, and, and she'd say, oh, this is, I love this. Who's it from? It's from Greg. She'd say, thank you. I'd say, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you know, let's move on, you know. But things changed. Things changed for me when, after I got my first job. I was about a sophomore in high school. I worked at a sporting goods store. I didn't make much. It was a meager paycheck. But you know what? That first Christmas, I remember it. I took the money that I had earned, and I went shopping for my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. I wrapped up the gifts, put them under the tree, And when we exchanged gifts as a family, can you guess which gifts I was most eager to see unopened or to see opened? The ones that I gave. I I, I couldn't wait. I was blessed in being able to give. I'd worked for something and and sacrificed it, and it was it was good for me. And that's what we're called to do: to be people who who give of our time and our, our talents and our treasure to things that are of the Lord. What do, we, what do we give towards? Scripture tells us that we're to invest in things that last. Matthew writes, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Okay? We're to invest in things that, that last because the things of, of this world are temporary the, the items that we, that we wear and, the, and the, 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 the matter that we receive from people, it's all going to be gone someday. One of my best gifts I ever received happened when I was probably seven or so. I got a new bike. I got a new bike. I, I still remember it. it. It was new, and it was kind of an orangish gold 70s. Okay? It was orangish gold, and it was a huffy, and it had a big, long, white vinyl banana seat, they called it. Okay? Some, of you, some of you are thinking, like, I wouldn't want a bike like that. Uh, but that's, it was what we had, and it's what we loved. And it's sissy bar in back, and big handlebars. I loved that bike. You know what? For one reason, it got me where I needed to go. I could, I could ride around town. I put my baseball glove on the the handlebars, took my baseball, wedged it down by the fork in the frame. I'd have that with me all day. I'd get up in the morning, put on my swimsuit, put a towel around my neck, and I'd be off for the day in the summertime. And frankly, I'm going to tell you this, I look good. (laughs) I did. And and, uh, I told the first service, I was not going to say this the second service, but I'm going to do it just because I'm feeling convicted. I, um, I was told, Greg, you may not jump ramps with your bike but I did. Uh, my friends dared me and things like, I jumped ramps. My parents told me not to. My mom's here today, so I'm coming clean. I did it. Um, uh, but you know what? As much as I love that bike, it served me well. I rode it for years and years and years, and I worked on it and so forth. Do you know where the bike is today? I don't know. 
I have no idea. It was the most important thing in my life for several years. I have no idea where it is. I'm guessing in a landfill somewhere, but I don't know if there's anything left of it. I think rust probably chewed it up. It disintegrated. If I went back and searched for it in Fairmont, Minnesota, I'd never find it. It's gone. The things of this world are gonna be gone. We're called to invest in things that last, that last. So what lasts? God, God's word, and people. Those things are eternal. That's what we're, that's what we're called to invest in. It's interesting the University of Notre Dame did a study on what, where does generosity come from? They're trying to figure this out. They put a lot of money into it. They're trying to figure out what makes people generous? Why do people give in the first place? The very first place they looked was evolutionary theory, Charles Darwin. And they looked at that and they said, does this help explain giving? It doesn't at all. Darwin said the whole aim of life is for its survival of the fittest, the one who can accumulate the most, gather the most, become the strongest, dominate. They're the ones that are going to last. It makes no sense in that model that people would give and share, right? They said that can't be it. They threw it, they they wiped it off off the map. The second place they looked was classic economic theory, made famous by Adam Smith and John Stuart Mill. But what what they taught was that people almost always are more concerned with their personal benefit as opposed to their personal loss. Like We will choose over and over and over again to benefit ourselves rather than lose. They said, that, that doesn't make sense then. Do you know where they found the answer? They found it in brain research. Yeah, brain research. They looked inside the brain and they found the answer they were looking for using a functional MRI. What the functional MRI does is it looks at the brain and when a part of the brain is stimulated, it lights up, okay? Or there are electrical impulses, okay? When you're hungry, if you start feeling hungry during the service, there's a part of your brain that's gonna light up and it's gonna tell your body, like, I'm hungry, I need to eat something. And then when you get food, that same part of the brain lights up and it says, ah, Do you know that they found that the same place that lights up when there's a craving for something and when that's satisfied, the same place in the brain lights up when people give. Inside of us has been placed a desire to give and to share. And when we act on that, when we act like that, oh, That feels good. Isn't that amazing? Bill Harbaugh of the University of Oregon took it farther and he found that that when people give dopamine in your brain, which is released when there's something pleasurable that happens, dopamine is released when we give. And the release of dopamine is actually very, very addictive. They found that you can get hooked on giving It feels so good that we want to replicate that and do it over and over and over again. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Now, why would that be in our brain? 
because we have been made in the image of a generous God. Our lives are to reflect him. And as he works in and through us, he makes us more and more like his son Jesus. That's been built into us. We've been hardwired to do that. Isn't that interesting? I love that. So the, the person who receives is blessed. The person who gives is blessed, but that's not all. There's one more thing that happens. Paul says, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Because of what you've done, men will praise God. When people give, eyes are lifted and they see what God has done for them. It's incredible. We see that God has given us generously his one and only son that he might die on the cross for us, for our sins, for us who have a bend way stronger to be people who are more like this. I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it. And he sent his son in the most generous action that's ever been undertaken to pay the penalty for our, for our selfishness, that we might be more like him, that we might act more like him as well. It's incredible. Paul thought about that that was so amazing that he closed this section with this sentence, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That is, Paul was so taken by this that he used the word indescribable. That's part of our language, and it means like, what? You cannot describe it. In the Greek, Paul used a word Anak Diegatos. I had to work a long time to be able to say that, much less remember it. Anak Diegatos. And scholars, there are lots of them, well, they're all smarter than I, but lots of them think that Paul made that word up. It doesn't show up anywhere else in Scripture. Brand new word, never seen it before? There it is. It means indescribable. It's like this. Paul says, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, what he has provided for us, it is so good. Do you know how good it is? It's, oh, it's just, it's just so good. I can't even tell you. You go out for lunch, some of you are gonna go out for lunch today and you're gonna go to your favorite restaurant and you're gonna eat something that you love eating and as you're you're partaking of that across the table, someone's gonna ask you, how is your, whatever, double fudge brownie bomb banana (laughs) sundae, whatever. And you're gonna say something, you could say something like this, it is so, uh, it's, you might say something like this, you probably wouldn't, but you could. It's, it's fantastic. There's no word that describes how good that tastes to you. So you make up a word. And it's almost kind of funny that, that we would do that. That's what Paul's saying here. What God has done for you and for me in Christ Jesus, it is so good. I can't even, I can't even tell you. Isn't that amazing? As you, as you think about what you as a church have been able to do through your offerings as you move forward and you wonder what God has in store for you next. I pray that, you, that, that your eyes are lifted when you think about the, the generosity that he has shown you and that then that you get to, 
to share. And as you're generous and you've demonstrated that, and I pray that our eyes are lifted to God and that, that he will continue to make you more and more into what Paul calls a cheerful giver. The Greek word there, hilaros. Hear a word in there? We get the word hilarious. Paul says what we get to do in giving our lives away and in, in, in sharing resources, <laughs> it's hilarious. We, we get to give. This is the best. That's what he's saying. May he make us more and more uh, like that in the days ahead. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your ministry in and through this church, what you're doing in this, this community. Thank you for being the God who generously gave his son that we might be brought back into relationship uh, with you. Father, we pray that you, you forgive us and we thank you for doing, for doing that as we tend to act more like people who we're more like I'm gonna get it people, honestly, than people who, who just give hilariously. But thank you that that's not, that's not how you view us. You view us like your son Jesus. And we cling to your promise that you're making us more and more like him as the days go on. Father, for all the, the giving, the sharing that happens in this world. And when we think about the world today, maybe there has not ever been a time when generosity and sharing and caring is more noticeable and more needed. I pray for this congregation as they have opportunities to be your, your witnesses, to be salt and light in this community and their families and schools as the days go on. When it happens, I pray that eyes are lifted toward you in thanksgiving. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.